Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Some really bad news for the Tampa Bay Rays as Blake Snell has to undergo arthroscopic surgery on his left pitching elbow. That's going to put him out at least until August. What does that mean for the Rays? Will they be buyers or sellers as a trade deadline approaches? And the Bucs reported the training camp. Their first workout is at 4 p.m. today. Jason Pierre-Paul has had no setback, but does that mean he'll play this season? And the swag is back for quarterback Jameis Winston. We'll tell you why that has a lot to do with head coach Bruce Arians. And Devin White, he got the green dot on his helmet, and he didn't really even know what that meant. A big learning curve and a lot of expectations for the Bucks middle linebacker. We'll have all that and more with my partner, Times reporter Eduardo Encina. On this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Bursnick. Hey, if you'd like to sponsor a portion of this podcast, we got lots of new ways you can do that. Our advertisers are having great success, and you will too. Now, here's what you do. To contact us for information, uh, just hit us up on Twitter, at SportsDayTB, or you can reach me on Twitter, at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Hey, we'd love to have you be part of our team. All right, I'm uh, joined now by uh, Eduardo Encina, my buddy cop on the Bucks beat. First day of reporting for training camp. And before we get started on the Bucks, who have their first workout today at 4 p.m., uh, big news for the Rays and not good news. Blake Snell, it looks like, is uh, going to be shelved for a while, has some uh, loose particles, as they say, in his left pitching arm. That's not a good thing. They're saying maybe they get him back in September, but I don't know. At that point, Ed, if they're even going to be in the race, and, and if you are or if you're not, certainly you wouldn't risk something like that. This is about as bad a blow as they could have at this point because they're not playing well. Um, they're already sort of short on arms, and, and really that leaves one guy, Charlie Morton, and you wonder, does that affect what they do going forward with, with respect to trying to acquire guys? Yeah, I mean, Rick, when you look at the big picture here, you know, when we look at the Tampa Bay Rays, I think you've really got to look at a couple, you know, them in the context of two large kind of chapters of their season one was you know from the beginning of the season until probably about the end of may Mm -hmm. when they were one of the best teams in baseball and then after that where really they've been basically a 500 team yeah if if not a little bit less you know with the way they've been playing and i think leading into that leading into you know this quote-unquote stretch run like everyone was hoping for a lot of things and among those things is you're hoping for you know the return of tyler glass now you're returning hoping for you know to see a little bit more of the version of, of Blake Snell that, that emerged kind of at this time last year when they really kind of started heating up as he really kind of solidified his Cy Young season. You know, so now, you know, you're looking at it, we're a couple of days before the trade deadline. Uh, you know, you always talk about whether you're a buyer or a seller. But, you know, when you look at this, like you said, they're one healthy, real starting pitchers, Charlie Morton. Hmm. Um, one of their, honestly, he would be probably one of their best trade chip assets right now would be. if they were looking to, to sell and he's the only starting pitcher right now and like you said you're not going to get Blake till at the you know when we talk about these time frames I think 
for the most part, you're really looking at the most optimistic time frame. Yeah. September. You know, we Glass now has been pushed back numerous times, so you, you don't know when he's coming back. And so right now you're looking at, at, at this timetable that before now was looking at, okay, if we get these guys back, you know, we'll see them as almost kind of mid-season acquisitions almost. Mm-hmm. And now you can't depend on that either. This team's not playing well. The offense has been horrible. The bullpen's been shoddy. You know, and now you know, a major blow to the quote-unquote starting rotation, as, as much as you want to call the Rays having a starting rotation. And it just, it just doesn't look good for them right now. And, oh, yeah, the other teams in, in, in the American League, like the Cleveland Indians, the Oakland Athletics, the Boston Red Sox, are really starting to play good ball mm-hmm. at the right time. It seems as if that, you know, that, let's face it, the uh, the division race is over, right? It's uh, I mean, if, if the Red Sox got hot and had a chance, maybe they could – Real in the Yankees, the Rays aren't going to do it. Um, they, they don't have enough games. They only right. play them two more times. So that's gone. So really what you're talking about is trying to fight for a one-game sort of wild-card play-in type scenario. Yeah. So how much are you willing to mortgage a prospect or two um, to try to get help for your everyday lineup and or bullpen? And now you need more than that. Now you, you could use another starter. So there's there seems to be too many pieces you'd have to give up to acquire all that at even, this point. The way they're playing right now, Rick, I mean, even before Blake Snell's injury, this isn't a, a quick fix. No. You know what I mean? Like the way that everything's going right now, it, it's it's not, hey, let's go out there and get the best ninth inning guy available and all of a sudden all your We're problems good. go yeah. away. Yeah. You know, like I said, th- this lineup, as good as, you know, I think I, I thought it was going into the season because of a lot of guys who could do a lot of different things – it's really shown kind of a lot of its realistic flaws, you right. know, in, in terms of being able to score runs and manufacture runs on a regular basis. And like I said, the bullpen, when guys like, you know, Jose Alvarado and Diego Castillo, guys who were just lights out at the beginning of the year, started to struggle. Chaz Rowe, you could probably put into that mix too. Yeah. Guys who were really got a dependable late inning arms, those guys haven't been that. So, you know, even when you look at, at, at you know, when you look at the true contenders, and I don't know if I would put the Rays in that mix right now, just because they've really got, I mean, truthfully, just too many holes right now yeah. to, to, to patch in. And they got too many injuries. I mean, Brandon Lau's been out longer than they anticipated. Now Kevin Kiermaier has the sprained thumb diving into first base, as he, as he often does. Um, so even if they had their full complement of hitters, it would be difficult for them to score runs and or uh, win close games. So um, as far as the injury goes, you've known guys. I mean, this is one of those yeah. where maybe it's not that bad, but you, you really don't know once they get in there. You hear particles or foreign objects in, in the elbow. First of all, it's his pitching arm, which is never a good thing. Right. It's better than a tight forearm or a possible Tommy John tar- situation, but – this is really like, for a Cy Young Award winner, I mean, this is Blake's really first big injury that he's right. had. And you can look at it two ways. One, you know, you never want to be opening up a guy's, you know, and obviously it's a scope, so you're not really kind of opening it up. No, but, but it's surgery. But, but, but it is surgery on yeah. a guy's throwing throwing elbow. That's and, and his like, moneymaker, man. And, and like you said, it's not it's, it's not like that the, the the word that you never want to see a guy go on the DL, which is, which is forearm tightness. Yeah. But... And, you know, you can look at it from the positive light as, like, maybe this is why Blake wasn't kind of himself true. For, for most of the season. That's it's, true. You know, w- when I covered the team, I was on that long road trip through, uh, you know, through the country and back. But, <laughs> um, but, but you know, that Blake had some really rough outings in yeah, there. He, where he had a really bad one in New York. You get out and, of the first inning. Yeah, and, and, and he had a, a really bad one some another time on that road trip. And, you know, I think he's, there, there have been times when he's almost been fighting himself. Yeah. And so – 
you know, for a pitcher's peace of mind, which is always based on your health yeah. and always based on your ability to get, get hitters out, yeah. maybe something like this does help him. And whether it's in September or whether it's going into next season, and I think that's really the gauge you really got to start looking into right now in terms of 2020 is that, you know, maybe this is kind of a thing. It's like, you know, maybe it wasn't me. You know, I've been fighting myself. I've been thinking about, you know, whether it's my approach, leaning too much on my curveball, not throwing my fastball for strikes, stuff like that, that maybe – you know, the, you know, like I said, looking at, at the bright side of this, maybe is mm-hmm. it, you know, you, you're, it can kind of help him with, you know, kind of the mental side of it. Like, you know, I've got to get this stuff out. It's a physical thing. I can come back and, and be Blake Snell again. Brian, yeah. You know, yeah. Be, be throwing free. Is there uh, finally on the raises? Is there, is there if they do decide to be, quote unquote, sellers, aside from maybe Charlie Morton, who you say loves pitching here and he's, yeah. he's from Brayton and lives there. Um, and he, look, any team would love to have Charlie Morton God, in these yeah. last couple of years, yeah. just because the way he's throwing. But aside from that, like, are there some players that 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 may uh, attract other teams that the that the Rays would consider? I don't know if Tommy Pham is one right. of those guys. I don't know if, um, yeah, really, I don't know who they would look at that that may may interest other player other teams really. Right. I mean, like, well, you know that most of their guys who are pre-arb guys, the under three guys, you probably. They're, it's going to take a little bit to, to, to get those guys because, yeah. you know, the, the the good thing about the Rays right now is they've got a good window here. You know, they, they've got some young guys who are contributing now who are pre-arb guys and obviously one of the best farm systems in the game. Yeah. So when you look to the future in the next few years. You so keep them, yeah. um, you have a good group that you know is going to be around for a little bit. Yeah. Um, like you mentioned Tommy Pham, he's probably a guy who, you know, just with his on-base capabilities, you look at guys who can kind of help – uh, just you know, when you look statistically, guys who can kind of help you, uh, you know, manufacture runs. You know, that, that's the thing. Like one, one thing that I've noticed about this team that that really kind of, you know, I, I don't mean to like dig pile on the Rays right now because I think it's easy to do. But when you look at at, at what their struggles have been, it's winning close games. Sure. You know, it, it's it's that they just don't have that kind of push. They, they can't that, separate. Right. They, they can't they, separate right. games, even and, if they get a lead. Right. And 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 so. You know, but but that's really what kind of gets you into the postseason this time of year, oh, yeah. and it's really what helps you win in the postseason. So, you know, a guy like Tommy Pham who can get on base, you know, maybe that guy, maybe he's a guy who can help a, a, a team that's really trying to add on and, and, and kind of make that next push at the same time. Like you said, I, th- I think Morton's probably the, the biggest chip that, that they have. Obviously, you know, they have him on a pretty team-friendly deal, even though he's the highest-played player on the team for next year. And, and like you said, he, he lives in Bradenton. He, he's a guy who really likes this this team. You know, he he's, he's talked a lot about how this clubhouse kind of reminds him a little bit about of the Houston clubhouse when it was kind of developing into yeah. into mm-hmm. a, a championship form. And um, you know, so he's kind of the one guy who, you, even though he's very valuable on the mound, you really have to gauge his value also yeah. in the clubhouse when you're looking to maybe possibly talk to teams about him. Yeah, and he may be reluctant to want to go somewhere just for the reasons you, you stated, that uh, he likes it here and, and um, sees a young team that's mm-hmm. going to get better and better, even though he's, what, 35 years old, right. but pitching as well as he ever had. All right, so we're at One Buck Places. We do this podcast, and the Bucks um, begin the 2019 season. All the veterans have reported. Uh, we'll start with, uh, I guess, the bad news, although there's there's really no definitive thing on any of these players but we know they put a number of these guys either on PUP um, or you know non-football injury starting with Jason Pierre-Paul I don't know I've checked I don't know where this stands I guess it's good news I think um, you know the fact that um, even though he's on non-football injury list 
there's been no declarative uh, decision to to have surgery. So right. from what they've examined, at least so far, things to be he- seem to be healing up nicely. But they're not going to see this guy under the best case scenario, they have said, until probably October at the earliest. Um, so from that standpoint, JPP, they can't, they're not going into the season thinking he's going to be much of a factor. It kind of if they get him back, great. You know, Bruce Arians is saying the right things that he's got guys like Shaq Barrett and Noah Spence sure. and Carl Nassib. But quite frankly, that, that's not an elite outside rush group that they're dealing with there. Right. Now, how do you replace 12 and a half sacks, which is basically what, yeah. what JPP gave him? And you can't necessarily say that he was going to get he would give him that kind of production right. this year just because he's a year older. He's one of an old he's an older player. We know the the kind of the the lifespan of, 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 of kind of, you know, defensive ends, rush ends, guys yeah. like that. But, you know, I think what my take of it was kind of like he's trending in the right direction, but it's still kind of wait and see. Yeah. You know, yeah. that it's. um. You know, there's the, the, the emphasis that, that, that Coach Arian said, and I think we're kind of learning more about him in terms of what he's going to kind of – how he's going to determine the updates that he gives us in terms of, of injuries, but that he's – that there's no setbacks, you know, and that mm-hmm. um, the, the, the timetable kind of remains the same. You mentioned that mm-hmm. October best-case scenario situation, but, um, you know, we follow this guy on – we follow JPP on Instagram, and we still see that, that green neck brace. Neck collar, and, yeah. and, and, and we see, you know, that – you know, that he's, you know, still, you know, looks like he's in the midst of recovery mode, you know. Yeah. And so I guess, like I said, I think it's going to be a wait and see situation. And, you know, just like with other guys right now, you know, guys like Justin Evans, guys, you know, like that, like one thing that we've got to keep in mind is this is an entirely new staff. It so, is. you know, he, he made, the Arians made this reference kind of in talking about Justin Evans is like, you know, it'd be, it's great if the guy we think comes back, comes back. But right now, I haven't seen this guy practice. I haven't seen what he can do. I haven't seen him like as a healthy member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. So we're moving forward with the guys we got, to the guys who are taking our first rep, first snap, first team reps, or second team reps, all that stuff. And you know, when those guys come back, great. And if they're what they what we think they are, then even better. So you know, I, I think that's the way they're moving forward with, with JPP and Justin Evans. There's a reason why they drafted so many defensive backs, and I mean, Mike Edwards to me is going to be a starter. Mm-hmm. Period. I mean, I've heard people compare him to sort of what Bruce Arians would have wanted out of, of Tyrone Matthew when he drafted him. That sort of in the box guy that can do a lot of things at safety, and then you know they got Kendall Bryce, they've got Jordan Whitehead last year. So there's other safeties. Look, the defensive backs are going to be very inexperienced. There, there's no other way to say that. They're good players, and and by all accounts, the rookies are real serious guys. They're, um, you know, I don't think Arians is afraid of playing them, but there has to be a reason why he drafted all these guys. I mean, right. Vernon Hargraves is the oldest guy in the secondary, and he's all 25 and has missed most of two of the four seasons he's been around. There'll be competition with Carlton Davis. There'll be competition um, – you know, with Sean Murphy bunting uh, out there and, uh, you know, and, and, and others. So I just – I think what Bruce said is something you have to remember, which is they've never really seen this guy except right. on tape. So to, to say you've missed something, you don't know what you have in the first place, 
they're ready to move forward. And, and it's unfortunate for a guy like Justin Evans, who really did show some signs as a rookie of, sure. of having a good, a good uh, career coming forward. But we'll see what happens to those and, guys. And, and, Rick, this is kind of interesting to say before the first week of yeah, first week of, of camp starting. But, like, when we look at, like, the development of this defense, and we can talk as much as we want about, you know, Todd Bowles and, and the 3-4 and everything like that and everything that offers. But, like, really the key here is going to be the contribution of these rookies and whether we're talking yeah. about Devin White, yeah. you know, who, who got the green, the green uh, dot on his helmet. Coach B.A. told me after um, rookie minicamp, he's like, all right, the vets come Monday and I'm going to um, put the green dot on your helmet. I didn't know what the green dot was. And then once I just put the helmet on, I heard uh, Coach Ty talking through the helmet. I'm like, oh, man, like, you know, they did put a lot of responsibility on me. Or whether it's these these cornerbacks with or these D-backs with Murphy Bunting, Jameel Dean, Jameel and, Dean yeah. and, and Edwards, is it's really going to be depend on what do they get out of these guys. And, you know, Arians did say this. He says, I love this rookie class. And, of course, he's going to love it. He, he, he you drafted him. They're his yeah, guys. Yeah, right. You, know? you better love him. Uh, of course he's going to love them. Yeah. But that these guys and, – and, and I I do get a little bit of a sense just from talking to them brief, the, the briefly that, that we have is that, like, they are a mature group. Now – This is probably the most mature group of rookies I've ever been around in, in my 20-some years in the NFL. These, are, these guys are, are serious men coming to work. They're not silly guys with a lot of money in their pocket. And uh, one of the things I think we learned in, in Arizona was that part, that, that great talent that might be a tick immature, take the guy that's right next to him that is mature. Because these guys have to play now. Maturity is one thing, but experience. you still got to make plays. Yeah, experience right? and, in the NFL. And especially is in this division when, like, these DBs are going to be lined up against some pretty good receivers. Every week. And, and the big thing about that 3-4 is that, like, as much as – it's dependent on the on the front seven to to provide pressure. Those DBs have a lot of responsibilities. They need to see the field in a way that they probably have never seen it in their football careers. That's right. So they're going to have to learn a lot on the fly, and they're going to have to produce on the fly. I think the the hardest one of the hardest positions to play in the league to come up from college is defensive back, and I, and I always go back to maybe the greatest defensive back that this team's ever had is Ronnie Barber who was an absolute abject failure as a rookie. I mean, he was terrible. You know, they were ready to get rid of him. He was so bad. Nothing against Rondé. He just simply hadn't played enough to show what he could do and to get down to the system. When he did, then, of course, he's a borderline Hall of Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Fame player, so um, I'm with you. I was like, you know, you're counting on an awful lot of young guys back there um, sure, you have Sue and Vita Vea inside, but and they do. It's not. I think pe- people in Tampa, like Bruce Arians, always says this that you know people in Tampa think of getting pressure with the front four. That's not how Bowles does it. He brings right. linebackers, he brings corners, he brings safety. And sometimes it's the illusion of pressure that that speeds up the quarterback and creates turnovers. So from that standpoint, I know you don't necessarily you know look at it and say, well, we can't make up twelve and a half sacks with one guy, but maybe you can do it in other ways. But, yeah, it's it's a young, young defense. And we talked to Devin White today 
Look, a couple things about Tevin White, starting with it, it's it's unfortunate. Sure. Uh, this guy is a horse lover, and he, and he bought um, Daisy May, I guess, about a year ago. Uh, it was his favorite horse. He rode her a lot. And, in fact, when we talked to him today, um, I didn't know this, but, um, you know, he had posted on Facebook that she had some dehydration issues and, and died. But, but, in fact, he had ridden her. Uh, on a trail ride that day, and he he said it was very very hot. So it sounds like a tragic sort of occurrence, and I'm not pointing any fingers here. I I don't know the first thing about hydrating horses, let alone you know anything like that. So, um, but he obviously was affected by it, and yet he he's lucky in a sense that he got to come the next day and be with his football family. Look, I I've never seen a player since maybe about Warren Sapp who was picked. We fell to about number 11 or 12, I think, at the time, where more expectations have been heaped on a guy um, as a rookie. I mean, this dude sort of is going to be the, the face and the, and the voice of their defense, and not just this year, but for years to come. They're putting a lot on this kid's plate. And, and when you start hearing comparisons to Ray Lewis and Patrick Willis, I know he's heard him in college, and, he, and yeah, he compares favorably to them at that time. I just wonder how, you know, over the course of 16 games, just how this guy's going to hold up in that role. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, I mean, again, like, we go back to the rookies, and I think that's really going to be, you know, a major question, you know. And, and you know, th- there's things about Devin White who I think we've started to see that, you know, we see kind of the reasons why they think that he can handle that sure. that role. You know, he's obviously he's a mature really, guy. really mature kid. He's well-spoken. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he, he has a natural way of engaging people around him. You can very see Very charismatic, um, yeah. I mean, it's very similar to kind of the, the young Jameis, too. He's, you know? a, he's a defensive um, version of Jameis, a little and, quieter, right. maybe not as flamboyant. Right, but yeah. and, and, and so you, you see all this, and obviously at the end of the day, though, it comes down to making plays. Making plays. One, one big thing about Devin, he said today, he's like, I don't necessarily worry about that part of it. Yeah. Yeah, everything that I've done over the course of my career, from the time I entered LSU, is I knew I was going to make plays. The big thing is, to me, entering this camp is earning the trust of my coaches and the trust of the, the players around me in the huddle. And like you said, you know, it, it is kind of, you know, we, we joke around about that green dot on his helmet, but you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, adds to that engagement that, like, you know, he gets this green dot. That, you know, Arians tells him, you know, you're going to have it on your helmet. And he really doesn't even know, know what it is. That's the naivete that right. he has coming <laughs> into the NFL. Right. They could have easily given that to Levante David, who's done it in the past. Quan Alexander, I don't think, had it right away as a rookie. Um, but it shows sort of the faith that they have in his football mind right. and his ability to communicate and think things through. I'm anxious to see him play. Look, sooner or later, you're going to draft high enough and get a guy who is going to go to many Pro Bowls and or maybe even wear a gold jacket one day. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to project that, obviously, on a rookie. But, but this is sort of the company that he has been in during his college career. And if the Bucks got it right, this is going to be a tone setter. This is going to be the guy that um, really makes them go on defense, which is where I think they have the biggest uh, biggest gains to make. The other the other guy we talked to, of course, was was Jameis Winston. How are y'all doing? Huh? <laughs> Happy Camp Day. I started off. Yeah. Great day in Tampa Bay, baby. I was thinking, you know, Ed, what a contrast it was to a year ago. I know you were still in mm-hmm. Baltimore covering the covering the Orioles, but when we came out here in the first practice, first of all, Jameis wasn't available the first day they reported because, you know, he was he was coming off news of, 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 of serving, having to serve a three-game suspension. Um, but we got him after the first practice. We got Cutter, too, Dirk Cutter, who told us that he had told Jameis 
Well, you're going to have to learn to lead from behind. You're going to have to throttle it back a little bit. You're going to take second team reps. We're getting Ryan Fitzpatrick ready to play against New Orleans. And it was a very different time and, and, a, and a very disjointed season for Jameis. And almost from the first day, you could see sort of him almost muzzling himself, you know, because and, and, we know he loves to talk and he has a lot of energy and stuff. What I saw today, now that Cutter is gone, and we know he got benched and came back and played well at the end of the year, but by that time, Dirk's fate was sealed. Um, in Bruce Arians, he has somebody who clearly is in his corner, uh, and it's almost like uh, for Jameis, you know, that's everything, to have that, that guy who believes in him again. And I think, you know, Jameis has never lacked for confidence, but we know Arians is all about that swag, right? Right. right. And 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 he seems it seems like that part of Jameis is back. That Jameis is more comfortable now in his own skin, being himself. I know I don't know if he's going to be chewing his fingers and all that stuff and and eating W's. Hopefully not. But he seemed more relaxed today. He seemed more energetic. He seemed more like himself than the guy that would stand up there and try to almost tamp it down on the podium. Right. You know? and, and and like like you said, you know, you, you mentioned. You know, last year, and, and the, the Jameis that I saw in the second half of the year was almost one that was so toned down that, yeah. like, we were like, you know. What's up, dude? What's what's up with that? Medication today? And the one I, I saw today was, I think we use this term in talking about him, was almost rejuvenated. Yes. And yes. Um, and, and like you said, it comes from those factors that, that, that you talk about. And, and a big one is knowing that, that Bruce Arians right now is in his corner. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and knowing that, you know. The, he's one of the reasons why he came here. That he, that Jameis Winston knows that he's one of the big reasons why this guy came out of retirement. For That's him, right. That's you know? right. And so, you know, you, you match that up with, you know, even the notion that, uh, you know, he's going to have an offensive coordinator, Brian Leftwich, who's a young guy who is, and more importantly, is a guy who knows what it's like to be in a huddle. Yeah. You know, who can relate to him in, in that way. You know, and, yeah. and who, in a lot of ways, is a lot like Jameis in a sense that. He was a quarterback who was drafted high yep. and, and was had to deal with a lot of the expectations over the course of the early years of his career as well. Yeah. That's one thing that we really haven't talked about is that like there's so there's there is a little bit of congruency between those, those those two guys. And like and Leftwich has only did it what, like, you know, 10, 10 11, 12 years ago. Yeah. You know, so so the, the 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 waves of the way the games changed over the course of you know long spans maybe isn't as different. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, it's good to see. You know, obviously, you, probably you'd be a little bit more concerned if you didn't see that version of Jameis today going into yeah. the, the days that, you know, you expect every – it's like the beginning of spring training, right? Where yeah. Where like everyone thinks everyone's zero and zero. They're all going to the World Everyone's Series. going to the World Series. Every, yeah. It's the same thing. Everyone's – there's no reason to not be excited about your team right now. Yeah. So um, – especially with a new head coach. So, uh, you know – It'll be interesting to see how Jameis. I mean, this is such a big year for Jameis. And, oh, it's and, enormous. And, and 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 you know, he's we write a lot about you know how the, the maturity, you know, the hardworking stuff, and everything like that. And, and that's all good and great. But like obviously, right now in his fifth year, it's about eliminating the turnovers, yep. and ultimately it's about how those things lead to getting wins. Play winning football, yeah. and that's something he hasn't always done. And and if you look at the NFC South. It's interesting if he can turn the corner. He's 25, which is a good age for a quarterback. You know, somewhere between 25 and 30 is is generally, unless you're a freak like Tom Brady, is right. generally your prime. Where you you know this is his fifth season. He's seen pretty much everything you're going to see in the NFL. Now it's about 
you know, tweaking his mechanics and becoming a better, making better decisions and things like that. Um, but, you know, Drew Brees can't play forever. I don't think he's Tom Brady. He's had major shoulder surgery. He's 40, um, the all-time leading passer in the NFL. You know, Cam Newton uh, is 30, still a young guy. And he's but, real beat up. But he's been beat up, and he's coming off shoulder, shoulder surgery. And Matt Ryan's 34, and I think Matt Ryan still has good football left in him. Um, but in a weird way, you know, Jameis has age now on his side right. where, you know, these guys are, are going to be, you know, on the downside of their careers when he actually should be ascending and he should be reeling some of these guys in. So it's a great opportunity for him if he can seize it in this offense. Um, we just don't know, like he's been in the same offensive system since his rookie year. So this is a new, this is a whole new system for him. It's not different in terms of what they want to do. They want to you know, push the ball down the field and stuff like that. But I'm still anxious to see, like, how many mistakes he'll make because it's new, because he's not familiar in, in seeing certain things. But he has to kind of clean that up right away because I think I think they're relying an awful lot on him. We don't know. You know, they keep talking about Ronald Jones till the pads come on and we see him in preseason or in the regular season. We really don't know what they got in him. Right. Um, so we don't know what the offensive line is going to be very good. He's got weapons. He's got Mike Evans and O.J. Howard and Cam Brate, and we'll see what Prashad Perryman and Scotty Miller and those guys can add. Um, but, you know, this is this is the Jameis that I think most people are used to seeing. It was really odd last year. It was a struggle for him. You know, I've talked to him a bunch of times. He said it was just a weird season. You know, like he was he was behind Fitz. Fitz started out hot. And then, you know, while they were winning and everybody was celebrating and Deshaun Jackson was putting his jacket on Fitz and all that – Jameis was at home. He had no connection. He couldn't feel the momentum. And so that when he came back, it was like he was just starting from zero. And a bunch of guys, you know, they experienced that. He didn't. So it was weird in that sense. And then he got benched. And I don't know. I, I just sense a guy that's more relaxed, more confident. And I think Arians has, has been that guy, right? I mean, he's he's been there, done that. He went to Arizona and turned it around. He, he went to Indianapolis with a young quarterback and Andrew Luck and, and hit it big. So, look, I – I like this coaching staff. I, yeah. I've seen a lot of them, and I, I think these guys are really good. The question is whether or not they got enough players, right. you know, and good players. But it was interesting to see Winston today, um, sort of back in in his in his familiar in his familiar self. Yeah, you could, you could definitely tell that like he he definitely seemed to be more of himself, and yeah. you know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, like I said, you, you know, one thing, and, and no matter what this is, whether we're talking about football, we're talking about you know, anyone, our jobs, yeah. you, know, you want to know where you stand. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and I don't think at the end of last year, he really knew, you know what no. I mean? Like, I think we probably knew more than he did to a certain extent. I mean, like, yeah. we talked about, there's no way this team isn't, you know, They're not moving, moving, on. With, moving on from no, James. You no know? way. But, but at the same time, like, there was a time there when, when Dirk Cutter basically gave up on him. He did. You know what I mean? To, to save, yeah. his, to to save, save his, his own, own job. job. He had to win you games. Know? And so yeah. um, when, the, when, the, when the, the, rail, the train started going off the tracks a little bit, it, it kind of left Jameis behind a little bit. And now you have this kind of rejuvenation, this revigoration that, that's, that's led by a new coach, a fresh coaching staff, a fresh pair of eyes. There's so many guys on this roster. We talk about Ronald Jones. We can talk about Noah Spence. And, and Jameis Winston kind of falls into this. It's like these are we might see different versions 
or at least everyone's hoping, the fans yeah. are hoping, that we're seeing different versions of these players because they get almost new life. You know, and, and that's that's the situation, I think, a little bit with Jameis. And, and it's a situation, obviously, with, with a lot of different guys who maybe we haven't seen, uh, you know, the production that, that, you know, maybe was was or has been expected. If you think about this, uh, you know, like Winston is going to make almost $21 million. And not that he was underpaid, because he was on a rookie pay scale before that. This is the first big money year mm-hmm. that he's had, when I say com- relative to other quarterbacks. So 20, 20, almost $21 million, but no contract for next year. So he's playing for money, big money, because by now, had everything gone right on and off the field, he would probably have signed a $100 million contract, right? Much of it guaranteed. So he's playing for that. Getting benched last year, maybe the first time since ever for Jameis Winston, I think made him realize this is not guaranteed. You know, everything he imagined himself doing in the NFL level, I mean, here's a guy that won a national championship as a redshirt freshman at, at Florida State, number one pick overall. He suddenly realized it doesn't matter. I have to earn everything and that this could go away. So when he says, and he said this before, I'm grateful, I'm, I'm you know, excited to be the quarterback of the Bucks. excited to be a quarterback in this league. I now believe that. I don't know, you know, when he said it before, I wasn't too sure. I think he now understands that. I think he gets it. And let's face it. You know, I don't know what he does off the field. We know he has a child. We know he spends time at home. He certainly works at football. He's had guys up at Florida State throwing to them. That's not a problem. You just grow up. You know, you hope that you just grow up, and at 25, he's going to be a better man and a better quarterback than he was at 21. I think another thing, too, is, like, having people that maybe can relate to you a little better. You know, we talked yeah. about guys like like yeah. Leftwich and Arians and guys like that who who maybe just connect with – like I'm not, this is, and this isn't a knock on Dirk Cutter or – you know, any, anyone who, who was before him, but maybe there's just a better connection here with Jameis. Maybe the relationships are just naturally better. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he talked about, uh, you know, how excited he was to do this VR thing that they do, you know? And, and like, you know, if you're 25 years old and you're able to go home and, like, chat, you know, put a, a, pretty cool. a VR thing on, it's almost like playing a video game to yeah. a certain extent. Except you, know you I mean? watch Except your the, film and you're right, the quarterback. Right, and so, you know, like, maybe there's some things here that, that they can kind of tap into to get that that next level out of Jameis that everyone's kind of looking towards. And maybe it's not just as simple as, like, you know, X's and O's. And obviously, you know, a lot of it comes down to that. But maybe it has to do a lot about, you know, that connection. I don't. I think it's unfair sometimes, you know, and, and I know because I know Dirk and I know he, he had Jameis's back as much as any coach could, and he needed to at that time. I mean, he was his first yeah. offensive coordinator, and, and he said nice things about Jameis, and I think he believed them. Um, but Dirk Cutter came here knowing that Marcus Mariota would have, he said as much when he got to be head coach that he, you know, he would have preferred or knew more about Marcus Mariota. I think that's always stuck with Jameis. I think that, you know, the benching certainly, you know, was, was a big thing, um, when Cutter needed to win and he turned to the other guy. Jameis Winston, I don't think felt like Dirk Cutter in the end anyway, had his back. And when I talk to Clyde Christensen and Arians, it's like that position, the, the head coach and the offense coordinator, they have to be behind the quarterback, good, bad, or indifferent. Right. And I think he feels that from Arians. I don't think he felt that, especially at the end for Cutter. And so I think that's what's important to James. James doesn't mind being coached hard. He doesn't right. mind if you get in his face and yell at him, hell, Fisher did that every Saturday at Florida State and he won a national championship. Right. But – he wants to know that you've got his back, you know, that, that you're in here with him. And 
Um, I think it's funny because you mentioned like relating. Arians is 66 and probably relates as well to him as anybody because he's just been around so many of these guys. But Byron Leftwich is, what, 39? Right. You know, he's, a, he's still a relatively young guy. And, um, or maybe he's more than that. How old is Byron Leftwich? Is he 40-something? I don't I think he's remember. any older than 40, to be honest. Yeah, I think he's around 40-something years old. So, you know, from that standpoint, I mean, how many coaches are you coached by quarterbacks that actually played the game right. and that are still young enough to explain it? So it was an interesting first day. Uh, of course, the Bucks practice. Their first practice is today at 4 o'clock. We're going to be here all weekend. Um, hope you guys get a chance to come out. You can check us out on tampabay.com. Eduardo's got about 1,700 blogs already. Um, we'll be on social media. We'll be everywhere. So season is here, and we're here as well. Thanks, Eduardo. Thank you. As I mentioned, the Bucks begin their first training camp practice uh, today at 4 o'clock. We'll have a chance to catch up before that with Cameron Brait, their tight end, and running back Peyton Barber. So check out all the Bucks coverage on Tampa Bay dot com throughout the weekend and the rays begin a series at toronto against the blue jays as they try to climb back into the wild card playoff race and overcome that bad news with blake snell so a busy weekend ahead hope you guys uh, enjoy the podcast thanks for listening we'll be back on monday for steve verstick i'm rick stroud of the tampa bay times have a great weekend everybody 